All right, let's go. Macaliar to Stokes, who's onside. Watch out! Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Hello and welcome. It is now episode, I think, 79 of the Saints FC podcast. Uh, it is I, John Bailey, and on the line I have Mr. Tom Parker. Tom, you're now one day beyond baby due date, which means you're still on the Saints FC podcast. Good news for us. Absolutely. Good Emma news. Emma probably twiddling know, her thumbs. I'm not sure she uh, sees the benefit, but, no. um, but the key thing is, obviously, is we can keep doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's quite good because in this time where you're, the clock's ticking down to the baby's arrival, you're kind of just hanging around for something to happen. So it's good to have something to do. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have a distraction. Yeah. Because I mean, beyond think, you know, all the other things chaos. that we're talking about, like curries and raspberry tea and other stuff. <laughs> and other stuff, yeah. yeah. Raspberry leaf tea. Who knew these things existed? <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. Um, and... and you know what? I think for this kind of hour of distraction, um, it's going to be pretty good fun because we've basically only really got good news to talk about, I think, until we get to the point where we start talking about Saints fixtures. So um, hopefully this is just going to be a really, really enjoyable podcast just to go through. The positivity podcast this yeah. week, John. It is the positivity podcast. Let's start off with one really positive bit of news and Huge congratulations to Franny Benali, MBE. Yeah, what a great! I mean, it is great, isn't it? He deserves that. I mean, I was, I was at St Mary's when he, um, I think it was sort of was it a game against Newcastle. I can't remember when he came in after doing his five triathlons in five days or whatever yeah. it was. Um, that one, and he, you know, he sort of did a sort of lap around the pitch as best he could. Um, you know, and, and and really incredible, and also what like a a narrative arc, isn't it? For like Franny Bernardi, like a much loved Saints player, you know, everyone, one of everyone's favourites, so many sort of memorable moments, playing in quite a memorable team, I think, for a lot of Saints fans. And then, you know, sort of is a great club ambassador and then just has this sort of renaissance, sort of 10, 15 years after he retires and ends up doing, uh, it ends up doing such fantastic work. It's, it's really great for the club. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. And he's raised uh, one million pounds, over one million pounds now for Cancer Research UK. So so the reward is for services to cancer patients, you know, the member of the British Empire, um, not for, you know, services to outrageous two-footed high tackles, which, of course, if there were MBEs awarded for such things, he'd have, he'd have won one a long, long time ago, wouldn't he? He'd have got one for fashion, eh? Yeah. Uh, definitely, if, anyone, if any Saints fans, any younger Saints fans haven't seen, uh, I'm going to call it a tackle, because I don't quite know what else to call it, his, <laughs> his tackle on on, on John Fashion, who is, is something to behold. I mean, and also, I, I, I don't know if it was ever caught on camera, but there was always a story that he headbutted Eric Cantona at the Dell in front of um, the main. I don't know how true this is, but apparently he headbutted. I think it was Eric Cantona, like, just nutted him, like, off the ball. You know, in, you know, in just... Totally took him out, 
of which I used to use another. If you know, even if it's not true, it's it's apocryphal and it sounds great, so we're yeah. going to go with it. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think Eric Cantona, that 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 is a good thing to do for Saints because I mean. In case there's Saints fans who aren't old enough to remember Eric Cantona, you've probably been told about Matt Latiss, and Eric Cantona is one of the, the few players in Premier League history that I think have similar, not quite as good as Latiss levels of skill, but, you know, that's well, he of was, class he was player, just different from he? everyone else, wasn't yeah. he? Like, yeah. Di- yeah, just different, like, like Matt he was, just a different gravy. Yeah, built differently. Uh, I saw him on, on the Eurostar once. He's about six foot three. He's a giant. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's, he he's was a massive giant dude. on the pitch as well, wasn't he? Yeah, hell of a player. But um, but no, Franny's done amazingly well, and yeah, it's great to see him continue with the club because you know one of the only downsides of the Cortese era was allegedly the sort of freezing out of former players, Matty and, and Franny, and obviously, yeah, it's great for them to be associated with the club. So well done him. Yeah, um, and uh, just another, on the sidetrack of the Eric Cantona, if anyone's not seen the film Looking for Eric by Ken Loach, uh, which is about a, an Eric Cantona-obsessed Manchester United fan, it is absolutely f- fantastic. Have you seen it, Tom? Oh, I've not seen that. I need, I, you know, I need to see that. I need to see Diego. I need to see Oh, Sophie and I watched I Diego to... the other day. It's it's so great as well. But I still haven't I seen the Zinedine Zidane one with the modern yeah. soundtrack. It's just, it's just the camera follows him for yeah. 90 minutes of like a game against like Real Sociedad or something. And then with the Mogwai, yeah, with Mogwai soundtrack. Anyway, listeners, get your emails in. Give us your football film recommendations. Uh, you've got a couple of us from there. The Diego um, uh, documentary and um, Looking for Eric by Ken Leach. Two absolutely fantastic ones that are a bit worth checking out. Um just uh, on, on the subject of emails, we've had a couple of emails, one from Saints GT and one from Jason Dickey. I was supposed to read the one from Jason Dickey in our last episode, but I totally forgot. Um, but the main reason he emailed me, and he says, was so that we could use this line in the show, looks like Ralph pulled another rabbit out of the hutch. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, so there we go. Um, and that was in relation... Um, I think to the to the game after Villa, but obviously we've won a, you know, we've won another game there, so that that also works for the Chelsea game. And um, uh, Saint GT is just saying about how how brilliant he thought we've been in our away matches. You know, credit where credit's due for the games against Villa and Chelsea, um, challenging matches where established and fringe players stood up and took the game to the opposition. Both really deserved results. Um, and, and he's saying that you know he's feeling quite positive now. So and cheers for the show as well, which is good. And I'm feeling really positive, Tom. And one of the reasons why I'm feeling so positive is because of the game we're discussing first, which is the away game at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. Gutted, I couldn't be there. But I mean, John, like, did did you did you watch it on on Prime Video? And if so, was it not the best? performance I, I think I've probably the best thing performance since the three two win over Liverpool maybe and probably even better I'd say maybe what, what are your thoughts um I I definitely say it's the best Saints performance um yeah probably since Ronald Koeman I, I think that'd yeah be I'd fair. agree with that I think I think that would be fair um you know mate the Club Well first semi-final against Liverpool. 
we performed pretty amazingly in that game as well. Yeah, is that, the, is that the Redmond game? Yeah. Redmond scores. And, yeah. And, and Puel had a really great performance. Um, he he had a, he got some good tunes out of the Saints team, but certainly. But hang on, that was a, that was yeah. I guess mm, the better team. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the, the the players were better. I remember the game against Watford. I streamed to the, the, that, that that goal from um, uh, the Redmond goal at the end, which we'll talk about in, in a few moments. Um, reminded me of the goal that we scored against Watford, the really great team goal we scored against Watford in the Claude Puel end of the season part. I think it was, it was maybe the, the the game after the League Cup final. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to remember that, but I mean, that was a team with what Van Dijk uh, would have been in that team. Yeah. You know, in that, certainly in that squad. Well, he, he was injured at the time, Van Dijk, but yeah. Um, but it still would have been probably what Fonte. There would have been some real good players. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Anyway, so let's, yeah. so let's talk about this because we had two fixtures in two days. One which was a uh, Chelsea. The next one, forty-eight hours later, was the one against Palace. And um, I think, kind of, when you're looking at the fixtures, you probably felt like we weren't necessarily going to get anything at Stamford Bridge, although. There were some cracks starting to appear in this Chelsea side. And and I think the Chelsea side now are looking more like the Chelsea side we expected at the start of the season before they went on that really good run. Um, and when I looked at the starting lineup and I saw Obafemi and Adams up front, my first thought really was that Ralph must have been resting Danny Ings for perhaps the more important, more winnable game against Palace. Were they your thoughts as well, Tom? Well, I hope so, because it's that or an injury, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and Ralph does keep injuries quite close to his chest. You know, you, you know, it's just like Bertrand this season. You know, it just sort of disappears for sort of three or four weeks. And you never quite know when a player's going to come back. And obviously with Ings, there's always that fear, isn't there? But it was a it was a, a brave lineup. I think, um, I've, you know, we've been, I've been critical of Ralph in the past because he sort of gets tactically, we sort of, sort of sometimes get tactically, I almost outthought, I think like, West Ham recently, I think it was a good example of where another manager is kind of to a game with a better set of tactics and win it. Uh, and because of the sort of, some of, let's just be kind to say, a lot of our players aren't playing at the top of the game. You know, when, when we don't have the right tactics, we struggle. But 10 out of 10 to round, because, you know, you're worried about, I mean, Oberfemi looks really good, but he doesn't quite look really striker yet. He's been very raw. And you definitely say the same thing to Shadow. So I was worried, but. Yeah, for the first thirty minutes, oh, Mike Ralph's tactics were just incredible, weren't they? I mean, they were totally spot on, and I think this sort of game actually suits Ralph's tactics. The idea that we're not going to have very much possession, we're against a team that will pass the ball around the back. It gives us the opportunity to to unleash the press, and yeah, you know, I, I think there was a little bit of rotation going on, and I think he thought, you know. If we're going to get anything against Chelsea, it's going to be by pressing, 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 working really, really hard, running at them, constantly pressing them. And I thought he probably sent out Obafemi and Adams was like, okay, let's see how hard you guys can work. Can you work really, really hard for me and make something happen? And, um, you know, those two were great. I thought really, really great. I also thought Stuart Armstrong was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think... yeah, go on. Sorry. Is, is that his best game in the Saints shirt so far? Well, he's just, you know, we spoke about this, didn't we, last week? He's uh, Saints are better with Stuart Armstrong. Uh, and we'll talk about Palace, but again, yeah, I'm not, I don't know anything about football, right? But I do 
sincerely believe that we are better with Stuart Armstrong in the team. And I, because I, because we talked about, like, yeah, we didn't try and force a winger to play as part of this field unit, which is what we did against Palace, by the way. But like, we just seem to gel, don't we, with Armstrong? And also, Armstrong has the skill to, and you saw it a couple of times against Chelsea, to bring the ball away from players. But what Armstrong's very good at, unlike a certain Moroccan, is Armstrong doesn't overplay. Armstrong like wins that ball and, and deal with it. And if you look at the first Saints goal, this was brilliant, wasn't it? Because it was, I think, it, who was it? Was it Willian or someone running down the left? Or hudson Adoy? I think it was hudson Adoy. And, you know, you saw three Saints players. I think it was a combination of Cedric, Armstrong, and then Pierre put the press in there on yeah. hudson Adoy. And that's where, you know, it came from. And they, Saints were so good. And if you sort of divide that game up into sort of, into thirds, you know, first 30 minutes was about, can Saints, Frustrate them? Can they get the? Can they, you know, have a go? Get the crowd back against the, the, the Chelsea team that lost at home to West Ham, that lost at home to Bournemouth, and kind of a bit similar to the Saints, isn't it? And that they're just very poor uh, at home. Um, and you know, Ralph's master plan worked brilliantly. And then, I mean, you and I, John, we, you've seen over we've seen over a few times. We saw him against Fulham in the flesh. We saw him uh, against Arsenal recently, and he undoubtedly is very fast, he's very strong, he's very um, he, he's very aggressive, but he, he, he doesn't strike me as a skillful player, but when he picked up that ball from you know, from Pierre, what was he, it was, it was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I, was it from Pierre? In my head, the ball was from, from Armstrong, but perhaps you're right. No, it wasn't, it was, it, was from... a, it was a horrible pass. Again, we just got a little bit of luck, didn't we, with um, the Chelsea left-back just not being able to get put on it and and yeah no it was definitely PH with a, with a pass yeah well the, I mean the turn the take and then the left footed shot into the top corner were all just absolutely br- brilliant and so I was watching this with basically all the family my dad my father-in-law my brother-in-law my brother my other brother-in-law um, new nephew wife mum mother-in-law uh um, my brother-in-law's wife, you know, so it, all of these people around the sofa, poor little nephew didn't know what had happened when we all jumped up and cheered when Obafemi banged that one in. But my my dad was convinced that that took a deflection. He couldn't quite believe that Obafemi put it straight in the top top corner, but it was straight in the top corner. There was there was no deflection involved at all. No, and it was brilliant. You know, everything about it was, the turn was good, the positivity to, to run, you know, just to run directly. And, and then that that touch just to take it. I think mm. it's away from Zuma, or really I can't remember. Just away from the centre back and just side the time. And then it's like a postage stamp left foot into the top corner, and Kepa had no chance. And I, I think it it was amazing because it kind of it, it set it, it sort of showed that the tactics worked. And I think you know a lot of Saints fans, me included, were worried with Shea Adams and and Obafemi. But you know Chelsea have got some fantastic players mm. and Rudiger. I think is a is a real brilliant. I think he's yeah he's a real excellent player. But Adam's job was not really to score goals, was it? Sheridan's job was to hold that ball up yeah. and to give to give our because we knew we weren't going to have to we weren't going to have possession. And Sheridan's job was to hold that ball up and 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 just give Saints an outlet and give Saints a respite. And putting him and Emma Femi, they did that in space. It was a brilliant first goal. Yeah, re- re- really fantastic. And actually, I just want to go back to your point about the pressing on Hudson and Doy. Um, 
he he's been coming back from injury. He's not got the greatest confidence at the moment, and he is feeling a bit under pressure. And I wonder again if this is Ralph's tactics at play. You know, when he gets the ball, we know he's already feeling a bit fragile. Then we'll we'll use that as one of our triggers for doing for doing the press because it kind of seemed that way, which is cruel but also brilliant. I I like to see our managers being cruel and taking advantage of the opposition's weaknesses, which which I think, you know, he's done really, really well there. I also I think it's I think it's a taking advantage of, of weaknesses but also acknowledging strength. So mm. look at William. Like we didn't mass like William as a combination of I don't think we pressed William as hard as we did their wingers. And I think that's because William's too good to be pressed by our players. And you know, you, they knew they were just gonna sort of they're just going to get left behind by him. He's so brilliant. He's so skillful. He's so tricky. So you almost, you know, you press the players that are low on confidence. Yeah. And then you make Willian go, but you make Willian instead go through you. You know, and I think the tactics worked a dream. And Chelsea booed off at half-time, which is good to see. Um, and just Saints seem to be playing with a real flow. And even, you know, like, he's coming from sticks. Like Jack Stevens, you know, against Tammy Abraham. You know, Benarek against Tammy Abraham. You know, this is... Chelsea are a bit up and down with it. Like players like you know, William, uh, Abraham, these are top, top quality players. And and they were made to look pretty ordinary by Saints. Yeah, I mean you didn't necessarily expect us to get our first clean sheet since Sheffield United away against that Chelsea side. <laughs> it was it was one of those things, wasn't it? Because I think at half time we're all discussing like, oh, you know, well, I think Chelsea had a chance just before we went in for the half time break. And it was kind of like, oh, well, here we go. Is this going to be a bit like the Man City game where we're going to watch us agonisingly hold on and then concede and then concede again? But they came out in the second half and they just didn't. They just kind of continued this like battling, um, this this kind of like battling attitude towards the game. I, I don't really remember McCarthy having to make any particularly exciting saves. He, he, he didn't. And that was you know, one of the things Jermaine Jenner pointed out and I think he did the same thing in the Man United game at home. You know, the Chelsea's chances, they were half chances. You know, these they're, they're snapshots, they're long range efforts, um, you know, or they're they're sort of difficult things to execute, like Tame Abraham's being played in at the start of the second half by Mason Mount. Um, you know, they weren't they didn't break us open like you would expect a team playing with you know, and what was amazing about it's another thing in Saints favour, like you look at the wealth of talent. So they have William on the pitch. They have Hudson Adoy, one of the best-rated young English players. Uh, got Tammy Abraham, who's now you know shown himself to be a brilliant Premier League goalscorer this season. They're bringing on Pulisic. You know, they're, they're, they're bringing on like they've got real talent off the bench. And Saints weathered the storm. And, and you're right. I mean, they didn't really have much of a chance, Chelsea. And then obviously, we moved to what you know. If you're a defensive, if, you, if you're a purist and you love individual goals or if you're someone like me who loves a team goal which is you know our second goal John's got to be a contender for Premier League goal of the season oh it was it was just absolutely gorgeous um I mean I'm sure my Saints fans have watched it many 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 times but 15 passes I think in the build-up um starting from was it a Bertrand throwing on the left-hand side Redmond Cedric Ward-Prowse all involved yeah um, yeah, goes Pierre back, goes back, um, and I really, I really feel like on. Stevens is the yeah, is, is the you, man you, that, that he, start, he starts off, the 
he starts the final finesse flurry finish, doesn't he? By bringing the ball out from defence, which he is so good at doing. And he started to do it, John. He started to do it more often. He sort of opens up his body. Do you know what I mean? And, and runs. And and the, I think it as the I think it's it must be a deliberate tactic because I think it. You know, if you imagine if you're lined up and you're like, okay, well we we know the winger's going to attack us, and we know that the centre midfielder's going to get forward. We know that the forwards are going to be out there. But then all of a sudden, if you've got like a centre back, you know, like you're, you have to be perfectly laid plans. And if you've got a centre back, you can bring the ball into space and draw someone out. And yeah, and I think, was it his pass to? Danny Ings, he's all into Armstrong, sends Ings and back to Armstrong. But it was just all beautiful. It was, it was like real Barcelona stuff. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was just wonderful to watch. And you're right about like, you know, as soon as Stevens brings the ball out of the pitch, it, it causes panic because suddenly there's a player that no one's got a job to, to look after in a defensive position. Um, and the interchange down the right-hand side with Stevens, um, Armstrong and Ings, uh, and was it Armstrong's ball over the top, which apparently grazed the top of um, Conte's uh, Kante's head as it went across? I mean, the I think that's I think that's generous. I think Conte lifts the ball over. Do you think? I, yeah, I from the angle, I, I think I've seen it, and it looks like it's actually Conte's pass to Redmond. But we'll just forget that because Armstrong would have definitely done the same thing anyway. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm going to dispute that. I'm taking this, I'm claiming this for Armstrong. and um, But then Redmond's finish is perfect as well, isn't it? You know, just the... Yeah. The and also, like... past Kepa. You know, there's no panic. Every man he, needs he, did, a goal. he did the perfect thing. Yeah. And also, like, you know, fair play to him. He missed that chance, arguably an easier chance, earlier, you know, a few minutes before that. And you do wonder, and also, like, I think, Redmond is a player, and I think we've spoken about this before, that really wears his heart on his sleeve, isn't he? He's not some like, ice-cold guy. You know, you can see when he's frustrated. It's like any Saints fans who've been, been at games and sat near uh, the wing that, that Redmond is playing on will have heard him. You know, he's very vocal, isn't he, with his frustration to the other players. Yeah. You know, he's very, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve, it's safe to say. And I think... You know, when he, he missed that chance against Kepa and he sort of goes down and he sort of bangs, you know, rubs his head and you're almost like, you know, is he going to be able to maintain his focus? But it was a brilliant little thing. And it was, you know, I can't think of a better team goal from Saints for a while. You, you think this goal at Watford, obviously, yeah. John, I need, to, I need to dig this goal out. But yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic goal. And I was really glad to see Reverend score it of all the players we have. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I, th- I think probably the the goal um, against Chelsea was better than the goal against Watford, but it was, that was the last time I can really truly remember us, you know, passing it around, having like wonderful passing football, and then like a, a great little finish that kind of adds to the whole, I don't know, the whole feeling of, of the goal. I mean, it was, it was just great. And, you know, going back to the tactics, it was absolutely spot on. It was the right sort of game for the tactics. But finally, we got a decent result against one of the big six teams, a team that's challenging for Champions League places. We did it with only 33% possession. Um, We did it with, I think, you know, only a handful really of, of chances, but we really took the chances. I think five shots, three of which were on target, two of them in the back of the net. It's a perfect away performance for me. And it was it shows Ralph's tactical abilities. It also shows you know, I think Shadams was so unlucky, wasn't he, with that cross from Redmond where 
uh, it just gets things away from him. Yeah. But I think it showed a lot of Adams' strengths. I think, perversely, Adams doesn't seem to, you know, we'll talk about Palace, but Adams doesn't seem to be the best fit when you're actually relying to score goals. You know, no. he's always probably that's his role is for those difficult games like that where you know we're going to be under the cosh. Um, it, it, it's just such a, a positive all-round performance. And, you know, you can argue that to a man, they played really, really well. And there was a, there was a great bit. I think my favourite moment of the game wasn't even the goals. There was a bit where, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Kovacic, was running through midfield. And Ward-Prowse was like, did this fantastic little block tackle and, and you know, and ran away with the ball. And it was very much like, you know, like Lord of the Rings, like none shall pass, you know. And it, but it was like, it shows sort of that Ward-Prowse is almost back and like dominating the midfield. I think there's so many positive aspects for Saints and, you know, fair play to them, a lot of games, you know, ground we haven't got much from in recent years. A lot of players that for me are like bogey players, like Willian in particular, I always think he's going to do something against us. And, and like, uh, they executed uh, it perfectly. And did Frank Lampard not bring on Giroud either? I don't think he did. Which, which is, I mean, thank any, God, any that Saints fan will tell you that just... He's gripped tonight, Brian. Yeah, I don't think he even had Giroud on the bench actually, so I don't know if, if perhaps he, he was injured. So, um, you thank know, God. there there we go. But yeah, thank God Giroud wasn't wasn't involved. Um, Tom, how on earth do you pick a man of the match from that game? Yeah, really tricky. I mean, for me though, it's Armstrong because yeah. I, I yeah, I'm going to keep banging on about it, but Armstrong to me, and you know, we'll talk about Palace. I think the same thing happened at Palace. He gives the team a balance. He gives them a sense of he gives them an outlet in midfield um, that's not overtly ambitious and I think he's one of those players uh, you know uh, older Saints fans will remember um, Jim McGilton yeah. and Neil Madison yeah. you know like players that aren't going to with all due respect aren't going to go down in like footballing Hall of Fame although we had Neil Madison on the podcast when he was, he was a lovely brilliant guy um, but like they you know like quietly effective you know like yeah. people said about Deschamps, didn't they? Said uh, the Dan City or Canton said it's just a water carrier. But you need those players. You know, you need the players that do the simple things. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, Armstrong does more than the simple things. He just provides that. He just for me, he's almost like the bit of the puzzle that we didn't know we needed. Mm. The, the the French word from cycling the water carriers, uh, le domestique, which you know the domestic, the person that that makes the whole the whole thing run over. And I think Bill Shankly had a similar thing, didn't he say that, you know, you can't have a team of 11 violinists. You need some road sweepers in there as well. And it sounds a bit harsh to call Stuart Armstrong a domestic or a water carrier or a road sweeper, but I, I, I know what you're getting at, Tom. We look much more... Well, he's not a booth, is he? No. You know, he's not a booth, he's not a Gineppo, but a, he's just, he's he's get, he lets other players do their jobs. Yeah. And he's a calming presence on the pitch, isn't he? You know, when the ball goes to him, he's not panicking. Yeah, absolutely point, right. Which... And he, he doesn't, he doesn't rush. Yeah, he just he, he finds an outlet. He's probably one of those people that has a resting heartbeat of like fifteen beats per minute or something. <laughs> you know, just like totally calm. Got um, amazing hair, is what he's got, John. Yeah, um, and you know, he's just a belter off us being able to have that that song that Celtic fans used to have for him. That's a great song, yeah. He needs to smash one in the top corner. Um, He can do that against Tottenham. I'd be fine with that on uh, New Year's Day. I fancy him against Tottenham. Yeah. But, yeah, I think difficult, like you say, but I think, for me, just Armstrong just makes us tick. Well, what would you say? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I had Armstrong in my head. I think um, Amazon Prime and the BBC had James Will Prowse, who uh, I think his statistics were that he covered more ground than anyone else, made more tackles than anyone else, um, and also, you know, th- played some pretty key passes. But it was a hard one to choose because so many players did such a fantastic job. So, you know, I, I'm happy. I'm happy with your suggestion of Armstrong. We'll give it to him. So next game, Saints versus Palace. Um, I thought we'd draw this one, 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 and I was, uh, I, you know, I thought it was kind of as expected that the game, you know, we we were kind of perhaps lucky in the fact that VAR ruled a goal out. We were perhaps unlucky in the fact that we didn't get a second goal after we got our first one, and probably the draw was about right. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think it's isn't it nuts that you know after playing the intensity Saints played against Chelsea but then have to go 40 hours and play Palace and I think you, know, you look at it and they fix this and you think Palace at home you know we should get three points there but Palace are actually really quite good aren't they they're, and they're they, ninth in the table and they're yeah. there by accident and also they're ninth with huge amounts of injuries and without you know reliable goal scorers so you know they're no mugs and I think I mean it was a pretty turgid first half of football wasn't it it wasn't great. I felt like Saints started this one better than their previous home games where they've been really, really drab. Um, so I think the first 15 minutes went okay. And then Zaha tore apart the Saints' defence, played a lovely ball back to Maya. Um, and thankfully he was, Zaha, not Maya, was was offside in the build-up to that. Only by a hair's breadth, I mean, I've got to say. I mean, it's gone. Have been the other way around, John. You've gone mad. Oh, I'd have been absolutely livid <laughs> if uh, Saints had had a goal ruled out that that was that was that close. But you know, I guess that's what VAR gives you, isn't it? It gives you a definite yeah. answer. You know, if there's a if there's a rule with thing. a definite rule, then it gives you a definite answer. If he's you know, even yeah. if it's half half a millimeter offside, it's offside as far as the rule book is concerned. So, I saw a, a very good comment I think on a Guardian article earlier, which is that if you introduce machines into things you know you can't have well it's only a little bit you know it's binary either it is or it isn't and yeah, I think Saints, Saints have had the second most decisions in their favourite of any team but if you look I mean he was offside that goal would definitely have stood and and you know where would Saints have, have been I don't, I don't know you know it's, it's tricky but it, was a, it wasn't the best first half in football let's just say no, and th- and then pretty much the rest of the first half was a, a bunch of fouls, wasn't it? You know, Saints running at Palace, Palace fouling, Palace running at Saints, Saints fouling. Um, yeah, they're although there, bunch, there, aren't they? there was a chance which I would have bet on Bednarek to finish that James Will Prowse cross from the free kick, and Bednarek was just totally unmarked at the back post. But I think the ball just bounced a little bit too high. Yeah, he and he got quite, under it, didn't um, he? Yeah, he doesn't quite read the like of the ball um, but it was a brilliant I mean again like, if we're going to talk about you know very good players like James Will Prowse had, had an excellent game against Palace but he you know but that, that ball was almost too good wasn't it and I think you know the difference between like a Van Dyke is a Van Dyke probably anticipates that gets his foot over you know gets his studs into it and just punches it into the goal yeah um, but that was really it for the first half there wasn't really much at all. No, no, there wasn't an awful lot to talk about other than that. Um, 
that um, Benrek there, he he has scored goals similar to that in the past, hasn't he? He got one against Tottenham, I think. It was, it was the last and he got a great goal against form. Chelsea on his uh, on his debut. Yeah, um, he volleyed but, that volley against Chelsea, which was a much harder chance. Exactly. So you know, you, you could kind of could expect him to that. And then I think Palace got their luck with their goal because Tompkins' goal was, you know, it was a good free kick and a good header from Tompkins. He's kind of say fair play. Um, yeah, he beat his marker, which I think I think was Jack Stevens in the air, headed it, you know, perfectly into the top corner. There was no chance for McCarthy. It wasn't one that he really could have got at. But the foul in the build up to the free kick just wasn't a foul. Yeah, it was a really good tackle from Redmond, and Palace got it. But I think that was. Gee, I thought it was a foul. I mean, my what my interpretation. I thought it was. I mean, I, did, I thought Redmond did foul. You did. All right. Well, I was just trying I to add some balance there. No, I, I mean, I thought it was. I mean, it was like a, you know, it was, it was similar foul to the foul that, um, on on Redmond by Callum Chambers at the Arsenal game. Just mm. sort of stupid sort of through the bat. I, mean, it, I think it, it it was a foul, but I think it. It was a really clever free kick, wasn't it? And a great header. And isn't is it Mihailovic? I, mean, I can't I can't Mihailovic, pronounce his name. Yeah. Serbian guy. He is a nasty piece of work, isn't he, John? <laughs> Have you ever been to Serbia, Tom? I've not. I've been to. I mean, I know this is not the same country, uh, but I've been to Croatia. Yeah, I mean, it was part of Yugoslavia, wasn't it? Or yeah. before. Um, but there's there is a. I mean, this is where I need to like be very careful that I don't cast aspersions across a whole nation of people from the very few like, Serbians that I've met. But there is a hardness, I would say, to the Serbians. Um, yeah, I've been to Serbia, and there is a there's a bit of severity that seems to be a kind of a national trait amongst the men of um, Serbia. So it doesn't surprise me that. Um, Mihailovic is like that. There. Did I manage to get through that without being too... I think you of, did. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is that, you know, his job is a bit like Romeo's job, isn't it? Which is to break things. I know he yeah. scores more, but he seems to get a penalty every week. He's got a penalty every week. But um, his job is to break things up. And I think credit to Palace, you know, because they've got a very effective midfielder. You know, McCarthy, MacArthur, and... Mihailovic, which does all of the dog work and really made it difficult for Saints. So that then, you know, Zaha, who, whilst we really don't like him, he is a talent, isn't he? He's a real player, uh, you know, can, can do his thing. But they kind of boss Saints a little bit. And the first goal was a, was a good one, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I... So anyway, I mean, at that point, we could have been 2 0 down, um, but we're 1 0 down. And I've I've got to say I think like Ralph gets it absolutely spot on in the fact that he made the substi- the substitutions pretty quickly after Palace took the lead. Armstrong and Gineppo come on. Um, Buffal comes off. I can't remember who was the other player that came off. Um, Adams. And yeah, Adams. And yeah, we bring on Armstrong and Gineppo, and it does make a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, Buffal is um, was interesting, wasn't he? That game, I, I just he kind of was the bad old Buffal for me um, in terms of just the like he was. It, it was it was very pretty, but his crossing is awful. 
Like, yeah. it really, like, his crosses were terrible. And those, I mean, Cedric's crosses in that game were beyond awful. But, um, yeah, it was it was funny, Buffard. I just didn't think Buffard was the, the one. I think, I just, yeah, he, he was very pretty, but then the, the lack of end product was just dragging mad. It must have been very frustrating for it to be playing with that. Yeah, and, and so then we went from having a winger kind of in the midfield with Armstrong going on and that improved things and Gineppo coming on for Adams. Um, Gineppo, I think, was then involved in everything that Saints kind of created going forward after that point. So um, the the um, Armstrong and Gineppo are both uh, pressing... Um, I can't remember which which Palace defender it was who then passes it back to the keeper with a really really poor pass and you know it was Armstrong, Gineppe and Ings all pressing that creates the opportunity and I think is that the third goal or, or fourth goal now for Danny Ings from kind of like goalkeeping, you know, hounding the goalkeeper, hey, charging down the goalkeeper. One one against Spurs. Yeah, one against Liverpool. One against Liverpool. And then this one. That one. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was really interesting because. Um, Palace looked pretty solid at the back, didn't they? And our, uh, I think there's a lot to talk about. I think Buffett's performance was, was was an interesting one. I thought Shea Adams it didn't really happen for Shea Adams, did it? No. I think um, he was kind of bossed by the, the two centre-backs and our, our strategy wasn't working. Um, but it was the substitutions that changed the game. I think I think maybe Musa, you know, maybe if he wasn't fit to start, but he just seems to be, when you play him up front, yeah, I think for me it, it would be a Musa. You know, if Shane Lawson's not going to be at Spurs, it has to be Musa, Ings, and Redmond because that's a really terrifying front three for anyone to have to deal with, particularly Spurs with their lack of pace at the back. But like, yeah, I think we just seem so much better with Musa on the pitch, so much more direct. And you know, I found it was very frustrating for Saints in that game because we we were a bit like back to our timid old selves. You know, Buffal didn't have any product. You know, Cedric appears to just completely stopped crossing on the move. You know, he, he sort of tries to hit a dead ball. Um, and there's actually, if anyone hasn't read the article in The Athletic, not by Kyle Anker this week, but about the sort of rise, fall, and then sort of stasis of Cedric, it's really worth the, the statistics in that, John. I don't know if you have read the article, you could get it up to talk about Cedric's performance and how it's, it's just game has gone totally flat over the last few years in terms of, uh, runs and crosses and just, you know, forward passes and passes in the final third. And that, you know, we just didn't have an attacking outlet until Musa came on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've, I've read the article. I think it was by Jack Lang this week, wasn't it? With, yeah. Um, um, on Cedric. And it is kind of like, yeah, the, the the rise and then the kind of rather slow mediocreing of Cedric. Um and kind of asking the question, is he going to leave us with some good memories at the end? And yeah, I, I hope he does. Um, <laughs> he's going to have to have a really good second half of the season if he's going to. Um, so, I mean, I think we can move on from Palace. I think maybe we should mention the Gineppo shot, which uh, Gita pulled a pretty good save from. Um, and Redmond trying to square it to Ings in the box where you'd have thought he'd, he'd, he'd bash it in. Um, interestingly, obviously because the VAR goal doesn't count towards... Um, XG, but in the XG of this game, it was one and a half to naught point two. So really, we should have come out with all three points according to the to the quality of the chances. Um, Story of the season, John, isn't it? Yeah, 
you know, we, we like to break the statistical models. Um, I'm just going to read out a tweet from Dan Fox. Uh, he's a listener, tweets in quite regularly. Um, his tactical input, um, number one, he's got three things that we need to do. Number one, more deep crosses with headers from back across goal from the back post for Ings to pounce on, he'd like to see. Um, he wants to see Cedric... Um, you know, often needs a bit of support, so he reckons he gets left on his own too often. And actually, I thought Armstrong did this really well against Chelsea. He didn't leave yeah. Cedric alone. He, he protected him. Um, and we also need to sort the interchanges and the skill on the ball in creating the space, which I think we're, you know, we're starting to do that that more. I think, I mean, I think the midfield pivot of, of Heiberg and Ward-Prowse is working, isn't it? And, and what's good as well is we're going from a place of... Um, we're going from a place, sorry, make some noise. Um, we're going from a place of like playing Romeo in midfield, not creating enough, and then having to, you know, and not scoring, and then having to bring on attacking, more attacking midfielders to try and change the course of the game, to having Romeo on the bench, having forward thinking, dynamic midfielders on the pitch, scoring goals, and then having the luxury of having a player like Romeo to come on. To try and see the game out, yeah. Rather than, do you know what I mean? And that seems to be a more positive way to play, particularly at home. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, Tom, that I think that is is that the halfway point of the season now? Are we at? Yeah, 19, 19, 19 games, games in, games played. Um, twenty twenty two points. Yeah. Did, have you heard of the Uncle Jeff coefficient? Uh, no, hit me. So, the Uncle Jeff coefficient comes from Uncle Jeff of a chap called Benji who, who runs the Stop Hammer Time podcast. They're like the West Ham equivalent of what we're doing. And his coefficient is basically looking at how your team has performed against the same teams from last season. Are you doing better or worse than you did last season? Obviously, at 19 games, that's the perfect point to, to check on, in on this coefficient because you've played everyone in the league once and Saints are six points... Uh, Saints are six points better off at this point than they were last season. So, kind of, I suppose that's not too surprising because of uh, the Mark Hughes effect of last season. So, is that, is that, um, tell me, John, is that coefficient? Is that like a coefficient that I could work out? I, you look at the table after 19 games, Saints have six more points. Or is that kind of something clever looking at the difficulty of the games we've had? Um, no, so it's something simple that you could work out. And the reason why it's perfect at 19 games is because that is the, the best point, the most simple point to look at it, um, because you can just do it against anyone. Throughout the rest of the season, the Uncle Jeff coefficient is a bit of a pain in the backside to work out because you've got to compare, because you might have played Liverpool in February last season and then played them in March. So you're, just, you're actually mm. comparing against the, against the teams that you've, that you've played. So it's kind of it's more of a direct comparison to last season by team rather than by game week. But at this point in the season, it's perfect because you've played every team once at exactly the same point as you were last season. I think I think if you think about where we were October the twenty sixth, you know, losing nine nil at home, um, we've now marched up the table right, only four teams, but. I don't know the name in front of me, but like the great thing is how how tight this table is, and how Saints could you know with it yeah we're a couple of wins away like everyone is from actually being ridiculously you know doing ridiculous well. I mean what, now we're at twenty two points, 
we beat Spurs at home, which is feasible, you know, that could see us up to 11th. Well, I, one of the things that I think is most upsetting is that late equaliser we conceded against Arsenal. If we hadn't conceded that, we'd have two more points, they'd have two fewer. We'd be where Arsenal are, and Arsenal no, would be where no, we they'd are. Have, they'd, have, they'd have one. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, they'd have one. Oh, yeah, fewer. they'd have one no, fewer. And we'd have two more. Two more. We'd yeah. actually, we'd, yeah, we'd be above Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, look, don't, you know, whisper it, but in a perfect world here, you could see two of the dream teams getting relegated, which is West Ham and Arsenal. Arsenal are not going to get relegated. Come on, Tom. Oh, but wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be something? It really would. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, we're you know, goes to show how well how well we've done since that Leicester game. Yeah, I think it's safe to say. And, and you know, we can now look at games like Tottenham and be really positive and think, you know, we can give Spurs a game if we can keep Harry Kane quiet. We can give Spurs. I mean, that's a big hit, isn't it? We can give Spurs a game. Yeah, I mean, not only do we have to keep Harry Kane quiet, we just have to not let him get the ball at any point whatsoever because we know that he'll score against us. So anyway, we're six points better off than the same point last season. Um, We have got a tough run of fixtures coming up next. Uh, But I'm feeling a lot more positive now than I was a few weeks ago, Tom. I'm feeling like we we could do this. I'm feeling like Ralph has kind of started to get a grip on what's going on a bit more, I think. A few weeks ago, there was some question marks. I thought he looked a bit panicked. Do you know what I mean? We have got some. You're right, John. I mean, looking at this fixture list here, we sort of we have a difficult and then a, a better run of games. You'd argue. I mean, God knows what happened at home to Wolves. You know, away at Leicester doesn't look good, does it? But I mean, these things don't really matter. You know, if we can, we can just be consistently picking up points all the way through. You know, I mean, February looks like an interesting month, starting away at Liverpool and then you know, Burnley at home, Villa at home, West Ham away. You'd be looking to get nine points from those four yeah, games, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. Um, the other thing we need to talk about in January is transfer rumours. I think there's one that's getting a lot of social media noise at the moment, which is a Che Adams loan out to Leeds United. Personally, I can't see this myself. Why would you loan him out when we know that Obafemi, Ings, and Shane Long all love to get an injury? Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I'd be. It would be very surprising. You imagine it would be like what the. I completely agree with you. I think you know Obafemi can't play games in quick succession, which is quite worrying. Um, Shane Long has is, is got what could be quite a serious injury. Again, no one really knows. Yeah, and that needs us just for Danny Ings. So. Yeah, you gotta. You, you know, it'd be mad to let Shay Adams go. Yeah. Absolutely mad. And also, Shay seems to be a sort of. Yeah, he's not going to start. He's not going to start any games over Ings. And I don't think him and Ings up front seems to work particularly well. Um, as opposed, to, you know, instead I'd rather have a more direct, pacey winger. But yeah, if we're winning, you know, one 0 at home, you know, ten fifteen minutes to go, and and Danny Ings looks knackered. Shay Adams is a great player to bring the ball on hold that ball up and, and try and relieve the pressure. I yeah. just can't see us letting him go. Right, Tom. Um, also, this will be the last podcast of the decade. Ooh. I mean, obviously, at the start of the decade, I don't even know if I knew what a podcast was, necessarily. So, um, <laughs> it's perhaps less monumental than uh, than you might think. But here's a little reminder, okay? So, this is the league table on the 1st of January 2010. 
League One. Um, Leeds United are top of the table uh, with 56 points. Southampton are 13th in the table. They've lost six games. They've drawn eight. I think they've... um, uh, We have Alan Pardew as our manager. So start the decade, we're 13th in League One. At the end of the decade, Tom, we're 15th in the Premier League. We've won a Johnson's Paint trophy. We've won promotion from League One, promotion from the Championship. We've had Premier League experiences with Adkins, Pochettino, Koeman, Claude Puel, some less exciting uh, ones with Pellegrino <laughs> and Hughes. Now we've got Koeman. We've played in the Europa League. We've beaten Inter Milan. We've been to an EFL Cup final. We've had relegations, scraps and survivals and an FA Cup semi-final. Also had the fastest ever hat-trick at St. Mary's. Um, with fastest Zion ever Lee. Premier League goal. And the fastest ever Premier League goal with Shane Long. So, I mean, that those are that's kind of what I've picked out. W- what's your highlight? What's your... What's so, the thing that really sticks out from the last 10 years of Southampton Football Club for you, Tom? So, if I can, if you'll indulge me, um, I'll pick uh, I'll pick two. Um, one was just being there, which was being at the San Siro with my dad. I thought that was just something else to see, you know, to see uh, to see things come out at the San Siro. It was just something you never thought you'd ever see before. And the whole sort of days around it were just a brilliant experience. And the other one was um, being at Wembley to see Gabby Dini's second goal, what should have been his third, um, against Man United. And I think that, you know, that feeling of elation and that feeling of, like, oh my God, we can do it. And obviously we didn't, but, you know, football is ultimately, isn't it, about hope, isn't it? I guess it's, it's about, you know, the, 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 you never know what's going to happen. And at that point, it felt like we were going to see Saints win something, certainly first. First time in my lifetime, uh, sort of a major trophy, anyway. So, those I'd say are my two, two highlights for different reasons. And, and do you have a favourite goal from the decade? I mean, that's quite a long. That is a long one. Uh, I mean, I it, think, it, it could um, be from like absolute meaning and raw emotion, or it could be just from like, wow, yeah, that's an amazing goal to look at. I guess I would say. I mean, I think in terms of goals that made me go mad I think um, uh, Mane's third goal against Liverpool the, the third goal against Liverpool Mane's uh, was it Mane where he sort of breaks off and finishes uh, I think it was because I think Pella got the one in the middle yeah. um, and that was it yeah because that was great wasn't it because that was like that that was like the peak of that human team wasn't it of like you know we had all those great players with Tadic we had Pele had Mane you know, and I mean, you also had Koeman like <laughs> chucking his crutches into the crowd and sprinting yeah, down the line nuts. to celebrate and just very, to take the mickey out of yeah. Jurgen Klopp. And a, yeah, very miserable looking Jurgen Klopp. There's a lot to like in that goal. Um, yeah, I'd say that that was that was a that was a great moment. So my raw emotion one is also a goal against Liverpool, but it's that Shane Long one. I mean, I wasn't oh, yeah. at Anfield. I, I wish I was that night, but. Um, uh, I think I was watching it with my brother. I think he was staying at my house. It was a night that he was working in in London and um, oh, just went absolutely mad when that one went in because that was it. You know, we'd been under the cosh for so long. Fraser Forster had scraped one off the line. Oh, what and, a day. And you just like... We were one up, weren't we, from the first yeah, leg? one right? from yeah. the first leg. And you just... That moment you knew that we were going to the final. You knew we were off to Wembley. three goals in, in about two minutes. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
yeah, that's a great moment. And I think, uh, yeah, that, I think you're right, John. That is a, a real special one. Yeah. Stylistically, I think I'm going to have to go for Cuco Martina. Who'd have thought he'd say Ooh. that? I think that, yeah, that was, I mean, the other goal, which I think is very special, um, do you remember uh, Ricky Lambert scoring like a goal? It might have been like a way at like MK Dons or something, then he got a hat-trick and he sort of picks the ball up on the halfway mm. line, knees it, and then sort of just lumps it really high in the air and lobs yeah. the goal. Do you remember this goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, goal? yeah. I don't know. Actually, who's, your, who's, your, who's your player of the last 10 years, John? Hang on. Just a, another goal I've just thought about. That one against Fulham. Is it a third goal against Fulham in the away 3 0? Oh, yeah, okay, Rodriguez. That was special. That was a special game. Yeah. Rodriguez, Lambert, and Lalana all scoring. You know, I think that's the funny thing that we're saying. When you look at, you can look at the sort of front three of Pella, uh, Mane, and Tadic and say, oh, that, you know, that's the best. But probably the team that you connected with the most. Was the the Lambert Lalana Rodriguez front three? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's because they've been with us for for the long run, you know. Um, yeah, and also just felt like that was the the project had worked. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't it like they, the system, the the plan had worked. You know, like the eighty, the five year plan to yeah. get to the Premier League, yeah. whatever. Which I think we all scoffed at at the time, and then did it in like three years. Fair play to the club. Yeah. Um, player of the decade, you won. Yeah, go on. Well, for me, this is it's the only one and only yeah. Sir Ricky Lambert. I mean, that is yeah, a making of a club legend this decade. Yeah. I mean, there's not many. I, mean, I don't know if he shares with, I think, probably Matty is still in front, but I don't know. There's just something about the guy, isn't he? He's just infinitely likable. He just seems to be a very normal, you know, unaffected, relatable guy that's worked incredibly hard and I, I'd actually argue you know actually you know what I'm going to change and my favourite goal yeah is Ricky Lambert's goal against Scotland oh not technically a Saints goal but I think that's the one time that you know you can attribute an England goal to it felt like a Southampton goal didn't it it felt better than a Southampton goal yeah because it, it, was, it was more than I, for me like cause it was, I'm not a big England fan you know I don't I've, Never forgive them for how they treated Matty, but I think uh, you know, which is ridiculous and petty. But there you go. I think you know that for me felt like because also you, you can imagine like what it felt for him. You know, his whole career, you know, kicked back, thought he wasn't going to make it, comes back, does brilliantly for state, gets in that English squad, gets on the bench, gets on the pitch, and then first scores touch. fantastic with his first against Scotland. You know, England's biggest, the old enemy. Uh, you know, there's so much to to love about that uh, and just the look of sheer elation on his face as he realised that what he'd done so yeah love that moment and then we, are, are there any other players that we should give honourable mentions to this this decade uh, I, I think you know players that their time didn't end well because you know it's like politics isn't it nothing ever ends well but um, you know what you know Van Dyke. You know, like I know the way he left left under a cloud, but what a player! You know, and and you know, you could argue that of the sort of best five players in the world right now, yeah, two of them come from Saints, uh, which is really something. And Mane and, and Van Dyke, um, yeah, I, I 
you know, it's funny we've seen it's, it's real like we've seen some real fantastic players we've seen sort of some real oddities like Gooley you know we've seen players that are sort of out of their time I'd argue like Charlie Austin is like out of his time sort of footballer like you know probably more fits Premier League 10-15 years ago than he is yeah. now I mean Ad- yeah. Adam Lallana probably deserves a mention as well yeah he left I mean it's about leading under a cloud he left under a bloody hurricane but um such a shame, yeah, though, probably. because, I mean, he was with us as we went down, didn't he? As we went down the divisions, yep. and then with the rise back up, and it really felt and like he bled red and white until, until that went. Yeah, Schneidlin was another one. No, Schneidlin. Schneidlin, yeah, Schneidlin. You know, it was another one that was with us all the way up, and it's a career. They're going to move on. It's just a shame when it, it happens the way it does, but maybe that's just the way it has to be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get philosophical, but we've seen some great players. We've seen some not so great players. Um, but you know, the future's bright. Yeah. Um, listeners, give us your shout for moment, goal, player, match, whatever it is of the decade. If you fancy, uh, we're on Twitter at Saints FC Podcast. We're also on email Saints FC Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, Tom's got to get back to his wife and try all the different things to get the baby coming. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I've got to, I don't know, I suppose edit and upload this. Yeah, you do that, John. Yeah. All right. Well, Tom, it's great speaking to you listeners. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Um, and it's uh, bye-bye from me. Goodbye from me. Cheer everyone.